The following teaching is brought to you by Crosspoint Church. For sermon notes and other resources, visit go to crosspoint.com. My phone number? I want to find out right now. Text me what makes you mad. Now look, I know things that make us mad, the injustice, unrighteousness, t- terrible, awful, terrifying things make us mad. Let's put those to the side for a bit. And talk about the stuff, the day-to-day life, the stuff that just bugs me, makes me mad, gets me about whatever. Text me right now. Uh, got some fun pictures up here uh, and graphics up here of, of uh, anger images. Here you can see different places here. People show anger in the culture, all kinds of films and movies and places like that. Um, and then for those of you that love kitty cats, here's one for you. Twinkle, twinkle, little star, I want to hit you with a car. Anger management. People say everything happens for a reason. So when I punch you in the face, remember, I have a reason. Anger management part two on this. This cute little girl up here. So, so you think I'm cute when I get angry? Well, get ready because I'm about to be gorgeous. And I have a sweatshirt with this one on it. I love this. Anger management. I wouldn't have to manage my anger if people would manage their stupidity. <laughs> yeah, all that and more. Uh, so some, some things here that you guys uh, texted me already. Drivers who don't use their blinkers. Speaking of drivers, uh, when, I'm, when, when you're driving on the freeway in your fast lane and you're driving the speed limit, what are you doing? Or when you buzz around me, you buzz around me to get in front of me and then slow down. What is wrong with you? Um, buttons on electronics that don't work. Product packaging. Uh, entitlement. Somebody put down here, their son-in-law makes them angry. <laughs> I won't share who that is in case the son-in-law is here today. Um, self-righteous hypocrites. Uh, let's see. What else is here? Disrespectful students. The pile of clean laundry on the floor that never goes away no matter how many clothes get folded or hung. Broken promises, disrespectful students. People, oh, here's one. People who are rude to service workers, thinking somehow that they're better than them. Uh, Mean people. Let's see. Having to repeat myself over and over and over and over and over again. And then one of my favorite humans in the house today, she's sitting right over there somewhere, said it this way. um, Slow walkers, when I don't get what I want, when I study and still get a bad grade, when I'm talking and someone cuts me off when I'm still talking. I heard I was at a men's conference thing last week, and the guy had this great line. He said, excuse me for talking while you're interrupting. Kind of a thing. Yeah, I just love that passive-aggressive way to just dig at them. Um, uh, your team that doesn't, after spending a crazy amount of money and time, does great in the regular season and then doesn't make the playoffs. It gets bounced out of the playoffs. And then your team that never makes the playoffs and gloats over the fact that the team that made the playoffs that you didn't make got bounced out of the playoffs. Hello, Dodgers and Padre fans. Um, I want to talk to a real, a real person on customer service. And they've gotten so good at it now that you think it's a real person, right? It's crazy. Oh, here's one. Pineapple on pizza should be outlawed. 
Yes. Dog pee in the house. Somebody else put down their mother-in-law. That was probably the person who was the son-in-law. <laughs> People who litter, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Uh, unmet expectations uh, with our team this week. This was girls that said this about things, physical stuff in your life going on, hormonal stuff going on, testosterone, estrogen. Men and women struggle with this at different places and times in their life. When um, uh, here's one different kind of people. And when I say different, I mean stupid people. And if, if you're offended about that and you're angry about that, this message is for you today. Sometimes two things will happen in my, right now going on in my life, and it triggers me, it pushes a button, and I realize that was actually about something that probably happened five, ten years ago, maybe even in my childhood. And even though it wasn't a huge, massive deal right now, I go, that reaction there was so angry and sometimes it's stuff from my past that I have suffered and has, has been difficult for me. And there, look, there's great reasons to be angry. Gosh, there's so much stuff going on in the world right now. Headline news right now on CNN and Fox and Newsmax and MSNBC. Awful stuff going on in the world. we angry about when kids get trafficked and victimized, when, when women get abused, when, when marriages and families blow up and parents are just kind of glib and like, oh, well, we just got to deal with it and... The kids will be okay because kids adapt. Uh, I go, you should sit in my office sometime and see how well your kids are adapting to that. Uh, but we have great righteous reasons to be angry. Uh, I want to move, though, now to that. What, that this is stuff kind of like, here's what it looks like. Here's the stuff that triggers anger and what makes me mad. What anger looks like, because there's different kinds and levels of anger, right? There's more small levels of anger and then big kinds of anger. They, they tell us that there's physical things that happen, cortisol and adrenaline, when something triggles, triggers you, something flips in there, and it does things physically to you that, that pop uh, into the anger zone. And anger oftentimes, for some of us, especially those of you that are nicer here today, can start quiet and silent. When that person has done it again, it's collected and it's stored. Uh, and sometimes it's over small slights and insults. Sometimes it's over big stuff, but usually it's small slights and insults. And it goes on and on and on and on. Rather, deal with it. The reaction sometimes is to be more passive with it. This is the first kind of anger, passive anger. Sometimes it's passive-aggressive anger. And instead of lashing out, isolation, victimization, sabotaging any, anything that would help improve that relationship as a way of punishing the person who offended me. Some of you grew up in families like this. Some of you are in families like this right now. The next kind of anger we're going to talk about is what it looks like when it gets displayed. Is we're going to call, and I maybe I got a big word today to impress you guys how smart I am. Dispositional anger. Might want to also write down the word there, just like the settled anger. Just that sense of just kind of always, just kind of like it's just who I am, kind of. It's just always kind of in me, just mmm. I'm, I'm, anger is a character trait. Anger is like, I just can't help it. You don't know how I was raised, Steve. Or you don't know my ethnicity. We're, we're all us Czechoslovakians are always angry. You know, have different reasons like that. Uh, irritability, frustration, grumbling. Grumbling always and then grumbling moves to being ticked off and other kinds of off <laughs> when it comes to anger. So it's just kind of this subtle, just, just kind of always simmering in there. Uh, another way we kind of see anger is elevated anger. This is anger 
something happens, and on a scale of 1 to 10, it's not a 1, 2, or a 3, but it's in that 4 to 7 range. Or I'm mad now. I'm mad now, and i got to do something about this. And sometimes, too, we start to gossip. We start to slander. We start to post. We go talk to somebody about them instead of talking to them about it. Uh, Paul talks about this in the book of Romans, in Romans 12, where he says, hey, friends, don't take revenge, even though you have the right to take revenge. And the reason you want to take revenge is because they made you mad, and you want to pay them back. You want them to hurt like they hurt you to get them back for what they do. This is where we get what, ele- what elevated anger looks like. And then there's elevated anger, and there's explosive anger. This is when we flip out. We flip out. It's an outburst. And sometimes this is anger that simmers and goes and gets, we get to four, five, and six, and seven. Next thing we know, we're at ten. Most of time what happens, it's over here at two, three, and four, but it's and again and again. Or what they did was so awful and so terrible, it goes from two to ten in about 0.3 seconds. That's how anger looks in the world. We have... Um, Mild kind of anger, passive anger, subtle dispositional anger, just kind of how I'm wired, elevated anger, explosive anger. Tricky part in our world that we live in right now in America and sadly even amongst uh, in, in the, the church of Jesus Christ in the West is that anger is now virtuous, not dangerous. We have flipped the script on it. We live in a culture of outrage and we feel like oftentimes, uh, whether you're a Christian or not yet, but a lot of Christians start to think, well, in order to win the war against the enemy, we have to use the enemy's tactics with anger and outrage. Um, I've learned, and you've learned, that if I fail to show proper amounts of anger and outrage at something, I'll get things from people. I'll receive messages, even from other Christians who are angered by my lack of anger over this issue. And I usually get it in some, some kind of communication where it's, I can't believe you, man. Don't, don't you care about that, that whatever? And, and usually when I get it, I usually never get that in a face-to-face conversation. Where I get it, a text or a response. On, I've, I've learned anymore. I don't post anything with an opinion on it on social media anywhere. Because the truth is, most angry people, they look all brave on the outside. They're cowards. We're usually cowards. Because we're not going to really deal with things in a calm way that will help deal with that issue. We just want to whatever. And we don't want to talk face-to-face with people. In some Christian communities, particularly in the online community, because you can be anonymous online, anger is so prevalent, one might suspect it's an actual fruit of the Spirit. In the book of Galatians, Paul talks about there's the fruit of the flesh and the evil and then the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, we have a diagram up here for you. Here's the modern-day fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, outrage, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And we're kind of laughing about that, but I'm telling you right now, that is widespread. I hope it's not widespread here, but the reason we're doing this message right here right now is because anger, we flipped the script on it. In the Forget about the world out there. In the Christian community, I'm angry. I have a right to be angry, so I'm going to be angry and just let you know about it, and it's found such acceptance among us, and I'm wondering, because Jesus warned so clearly of the dangers of anger, and yet we somehow feel like it's okay, and it's even not just okay, but like it's a thing that good Christians should be angry. And I know that some of you are thinking right now, well, wait a minute, Steve. 
Jesus got angry, and he certainly did. You hear, read, read Matthew 23 sometimes, where he tears into the religious leaders uh, who are making a mess out of the, their communities and out of their synagogues and churches and those kind of gatherings. One of the classic verses people uh, point to to push back on this idea that anger is a, a big deal and anger should be avoided at all costs is the story when Jesus went into the temple and he cleaned the temple. He didn't, didn't show up at the cleaning service, literally um, flipped over tables, threw the money changers out, the guys that were doing the exchange things in the temple, lost it and cleared the whole place out. And people said, come on, Jesus got angry. But understand something, guys, here. Jesus got angry not because his rights and his privileges and his preferences had been violated. You know why he did it? He says this. He quotes. He said, look, at my house, this house should be a house of prayer for the nations, and you have turned it into a den of thieves. Back then, here's how the temple was laid out. If, like, if, this, if this is like our 20,000-square-foot building here, if that was this right here, around it, all the way out, to the 15 freeway, all the way out 15 freeway, up against the foothills here, that's how big the plaza, the, 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 where the temple was. So there was like the temple area and then the, the big plaza. And they, you could gather with 500 to 1,000 people in one little corner of it for, to have a, a rally about something, to, to do an outreach project, to hear somebody else do a message there in the temple courtyards. And in one place, temple courtyards, there's a place called the Court of the Gentiles. See, the Gentiles, because they were not followers of the one true God, we're not allowed into certain places in the temple, but God says we're going to make it to be a house of prayer, not just for the Jewish nation, but for all the nations. So he said, I want the Gentiles in here. You know what they had done? The religious leaders had thought, hmm, in order to have pure sacrifices, you need to get temple certified animals, and we don't want you to use your currency. You need to use our temple currency. And so the exchange rates were like, were fraudulently extorting people here, charging 500 to 1,000% more for simple animals to be sacrificed in the temple to adhere to that religion. And you know where they were doing it? In the court of the Gentiles. In the very place where God said, I want the Gentiles to come and hear about who, Jesus, who, who God is, we have, we, have, we have said there's no room for us. So Jesus gets mad because people are being exploited and because the people he cares so much about aren't getting a chance to hear about him. It wasn't over his own entitlements and rights and privileges. And so when you tell me today, but come on, Steve, Jesus got angry. I'm going to tell you this with a smile on my face. <laughs> You ain't Jesus, pal. You're not. And somehow to think, well, because somebody cut me off or somebody did this or some political leader did this or some my stance on this or that, even a big, strong moral issue that gives me the right to go out there and, and pound the table and be angry and mad, uh, you don't you could use Jesus for that. The dangers of anger. We looked at how it looks. The dangers of anger. This is from the Bible, first of all. Uh, a lot of verses here. Some of them lead from different translations and versions of the Bible. I think this one's from the message. Proverbs 14.29 says this. Slowness to anger makes for deep understanding. A quick-tempered person stockpiles stupidity. Ecclesiastes 7 verse 9 says this way. Control your temper for anger labels you a fool. That the first danger of anger is this. Anger makes me a moron. It makes me a moron. And if you're angry about the fact that I just called you a moron, you got a problem. It just does. And guys, you've seen this, right? People do like, like anger, just get, we do stupid, ridiculous things. We later go, what the heck was I thinking? Because you weren't. 
thinking. Your emotions had triggered you and you're lashing out there all over the place. Um, Proverbs 29.22 says it this way. An angry person starts fights. A hot-tempered person commits all kinds of sin. Write it down this way. Anger unleashes the unforeseen. Guys, some of you have grown up in families that was anger and, and displayed in really awful ways. And you know this, right? It wasn't even always about the anger. Because then anger unleashed all kinds of financial irresponsibility, uh, doing stupid stuff and coping with anger, with alcohol, with drugs, with violence that happened there, with what it did for you, how it set you off. It did the ripple effects of anger. Anger's like at the root here. It bears all kinds of crazy, bizarre fruit if we're not being careful about it. It unleashes the unforeseen. Instead of you go, oh, I was just a little mad about that. What's the big deal? And you go, man, if I just stop for a second... Matthew 5.22 says this. I'm telling you that anyone who is so much as angry with a brother or sister is guilty of murder. Stop. Anyone who is so much as angry with a brother or sister is guilty of murder. Jesus is telling us anger is a much bigger deal than we think it is. We tend to think of murder and adultery and all these terrible things out there. Oh, my gosh, we have to just legislate that. We have to outlaw certain things in the schools and have to take a stand at big meetings and political rallies and all this stuff. Nobody's taking a stand against anger. He says, man, you're guilty. Jesus says you're guilty of murder. And look, he doesn't say anyone who is angry with a brother or sister in an un- over silly things is guilty of murder. He's angry, period, even if it's for good reasons. Carelessly call a brother idiot, and you might just find yourself hauled into court. Thoughtlessly yell stupid at a sister, and you're in the, on the brink of hellfire. The simple moral fact is that words kill. Write this down. The next danger of anger is anger creates hell. Anger creates hell. It creates hell in that you guys have seen this. You have been around people that are angry. And have that anger stuff going on, whether it's passive anger or kind of anger, it just creates hell. And it doesn't just create hell. Hmm. It doesn't just create hell because if you're angry, you're going to hell someday. That's not what he's saying here. Anger creates hell right now. And it creates hell for you because you're the angry person. And then that hell kind of ripples out and you're creating a hellish environment for all kinds of people when anger is... uh, a prevalent part of your life. Ephesians 4, 27. Crystal just read that for us. Flip back over there again. I want you to see this and mark something up in your Bibles. Ephesians 4 again. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down when you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. He doesn't say anger gives a foothold to a moron. Anger gives a foothold to despicable, terrible people. Because you've heard that quote, right? When you're angry, you're letting somebody live rent-free in your head. It's a much bigger deal than just letting somebody else get in your head and be all uh, about this. He says, look, anger gives a foothold to the devil. Uh, I never saw the movie The Exorcist when it was out a long, long time ago. 
I guess there's a new version coming out in time for Halloween. I was in the movie theater the other day watching the preview for the, this come out, and this thing came on. I closed my eyes and went, oh, like this, because even like, and I've been in the presence a couple of times of some things where there was like some kind of level of demon possession or something there. It's terrifying. It's even terrifying. I don't understand any of you to go out there and pay money to be terrified at the movie theater and go watch that stuff. I'm not judging you today. You just judge yourself. And if you want to go do that and spend great money on, wow. Paul's making a bold, provocative statement here. He's saying, telling us this, anger creates demonic access to your life. And while we would be terrified of the thought of demon possession, like I don't want to be demon possessed, and can a Christian be demon possessed? There's all kinds of theological arguments about that. The truth is the word demon possessed is never used in the Bible. The word, whenever it talks about demon possession, how it gets translated is demonatei, which just basically means demonized. Now certainly, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ and God's spirit is in you, you cannot be overwhelmingly controlled and oppressed by a demon. But here's what some of us are doing. We go, okay, but I've got the God, I'm a Christian over here. But I'm angry about something right over here right now. I have a right to be angry, so I'm going to go over here. And on the, the fortress that God is trying to build in my life to keep evil out, I'm going to go get a chisel. I'm going to get a piton and a rope and a little carabiner in there. I'm going to, I'm going to put, a little, put a little foothold in there until Satan and demons go, over here. Here's access to my life right here. I'm putting it here for you. You create a foothold in the, in the fortress that God tries to put up there to, to, to care for you and love you. And when you let anger just be there, you're inviting demonic access into your life. And it says you, you, give, them a, you give them a foothold. You know what happens to footholds? Footholds become strongholds. It's a... Paul and Jesus are telling us it's a much, much, much bigger deal than most of you think it is because it's so prevalent. Nobody thinks, oh, everybody's angry about something all the time. Anger also creates sickness. Guys, we don't need the Bible to tell us the dangers of anger. Scientists who are not Christian at all have told us this. I did a bunch of reading and research on it in the last couple of weeks. Um, there's health issues. If you, you're angry, if your anger and anxiety gets all sustained, it tells us that uh, the, the elevation of that physically robs your brain fuel and destroys neurons. In other words, anger makes you a moron. You start to act stupid here. Physically, things happen to your brain. It's not just, a, not just an emotional state. Um, a group of Harvard University scientists studied 670 men a while back, um, over eight years, using a hostility scale scoring method to measure anger levels and assess any changes in the men's lung function. The men with the highest hostility ratings had significantly worse lung capacity, which increased all kinds of respiratory problems. It creates inflammation in there in the airways. So it messes with our brain, messes with our lungs. It also weakens our immune system. Another study says recalling an angry experience from your past causes a six-hour dip in levels of the antibody immunoglobin A, the cell's first line of defense against infection. Two hours after an outburst of anger, your chance of heart attack doubles. You are three times more likely of having a stroke from a blood clot or brain and bleeding within the brain 
uh, two hours after an angry outburst. And if there's already an aneurysm or some, whether you're aware of it or not, it likely goes up six times for having some kind of major stroke uh, with anger. We don't need the Bible to tell us anger is dangerous. The, the scientists are going to tell us that. Ephesians 4.26, and in James 1, we saw this already, don't sin by letting anger, anger control you. You know what the actual translation of that verse is? In the actual, because the Bible was not written in English to start, obviously. It was written in the Greek language back then. The act, you can go on the thing called interlinear Bible and put the verse in, and it will show you exactly how it was written when the writers first wrote it down. And the, and the writers wrote it down this way. It says this, Ephesians 4.26, be angry. You're going, well, I get to be angry here, and yet without sin. See, it's not, he's not telling us not to feel anger. You can't help what you feel. Anger is just a normal part. Things can trigger you. He's saying, be angry and yet without sin. Don't express the anger in ways that are going to be destructive and terrible for you, your kids, your family, your coworkers, your, your company, all that. So be angry and yet without sin. Um, and then in verse chapter 4, verse 31, he says this. Get rid of all bitterness, all rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. In Colossians 3, 8, Paul says the same thing. He echoes, he says, now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. What he's telling us here is anger is a big deal. We need to get rid of it. And what we all think with anger is, well, you know, it's, it's a problem. I know I got a problem here. So we don't want to get rid of it. We just want to let it ride and just let it flow here. And here's the myth. The myth that's out there is when I get anger, I need to blow off some steam. I need to, and I need to vent the system and get it out there. And the myth of that says that if I have all this going on inside of me, the way to solve it is to express yourself. And we think that gets rid of it all. You know what you're doing there? You're not getting rid of anything. All you're doing is, is you're turning on the propane jets and, and stocking wood in there and you're, you're stockpiling it in there. So the next time you get, you get to a place where you're angry, you've just got more fuel in there. And it goes on and on. So you know this, right? You've been at work and there's been a terrible, awful, nasty, despicable person there that's made you mad, done something there, and you get in there and it's all inside of you and you express it, you got mad, you pose, whatever there. You get home and you're angry and your kid spills milk at the dinner table. And what happens? <laughs> expressing anger, expressing anger does not solve the problem. It just makes it worse. And the way you're going to choke off anger in your life is, is, not, is, not, is not to say... I'm going to be less angry. I'm going to be, you just can't do it there. What you got to do is when the anger impulse comes, you got to do what good landscapers do, what good, if you have a great yard here, you recognize the best way to keep weeds out of your life is to put something good in its place, not just keep going out there trying to pull the weeds out. You put good ground cover, flowers, grass, those kind of things in. So we've convinced you now that anger is a problem. It's a big deal. So what do we do now, now that I've convinced you of that? Because if we all walk out of here, let's bring the, the band up and let's take the offering and go home. And like, well, anger's a problem. Hmm? How do we deal with it? Because every single one of us have issues with anger at different levels. Uh, the, the first thing I want to tell you is this. Uh, write it down and I'm going to give you some verses. Slow down and calm down. Slow down. Halt. Hungry 
angry, lonely or tired or hang. I don't even know what the, there's, there's a little call, H-A-L-T. Just be careful. Be super careful when you're in those kind of places. Psalm 37 verse 8 says it this way, stop being angry, turn from your rage, do not lose your temper, it only leads to harm. He's not saying stop feeling angry. He's saying, hey, you got to find better ways to redirect that. Again, guys, somewhere in your brain here, there's an impulse that goes, and it goes from here to here or to here in about, they've studied this, in about 0.37 seconds. So it's a fun way. How do I redirect that impulse to something else? The Bible would call the way you do this. What you're going to replace in your life when there's that anger impulse is replace it with gentleness. Put gentleness in there on purpose in the moment when you're the most angry. It's not easy. It leads to harm. Um, James chapter 1. I've got um, this up here. We have the James chapter 1, what Crystal just read. This is the revised heresy version. I'm going to read up the screen off here. You must all be slow to listen, quick to speak, and quick to get angry. Human anger produces the righteous life that God desires. And I'll go, well, that's dumb, that's stupid. Well, of course it's dumb and stupid. How do we live our lives if we're really honest about that? Because what do we tend to do? It says be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. And we flip that all around, be thinking, because you've got to express yourself and you've got to be true to yourself, and you can't just like deny yourself and all that kind of stuff. And Jesus goes, Yeah, you gotta deny yourself all the time. Though that impulse to go out there because it makes me feel good right now, it's not going to produce the life that God wants for you. Put gentleness in, it, in its place. And even with justified anger, even with justified anger, and guys, there's certainly times to be justifiably angry, righteously angry, certainly. Um, but a gentle answer, gentleness has, is more powerful than out there. Proverbs 15.1 says this, a gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. When you come to situations, people are angry, am I putting fuel on the fire or water on the fire? What am I doing there? Am I helping this or am I making it worse? Proverbs 29.11, fools <laughs> vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. It means they slow down when the anger impulse is there. <laughs> I, I love this too. There's a verse, I think it's Proverbs 27, 17, I forget, 17, 28. Google it, you'll find it. I love it. Uh, it says this, even a fool is thought wise if he keeps silent. So today, if you are a moron, just stop talking. And people will think, gosh, that guy got smarter all of a sudden. That girl, guy, she used to be like this crazy lunatic. Just like this. People go, dang, that person, well, mm, that must be some deep insight thing going on there. You'll fool people like crazy. Proverbs 25, 15. Patience can persuade a prince and soft speech can break bones. We think harsh speech and we got to go yell and scream at people. That's how we're going to get up there. He goes, look, when everyone else is screaming and yelling and you're quiet there, people go, dang, that's different. I had this experience years ago with a guy who I had done something wrong and stupid and terrible and I won't tell you all the details. And he closed the door of where I was and he sat down with me, hey, Steve. And he smiled and he said, Steve, <laughs> I need to yell at you right now. 
I didn't know what to do with that. Because I need to yell at you right now. I need to yell at you right now. You made me mad. I can't believe it. I yell at you right just quietly, calmly. I'm telling you, when you have to give even terrible reviews to people or you have to fire somebody or you have to discipline somebody, uh, parents, your kids have learned they'll just let you yell and scream. If you don't follow through, they just go just yell and scream even all you want. Maybe the best thing to do is don't yell and scream and lose your temper with them, even when they're despicable, terrible, awful human beings. Quietly. You're in trouble right now. Give me this. Take that. You're not going here. Restrict whatever. And here's the crazy thing. What if you actually just followed through? Without any screaming or yelling. Just it's power in that. Ephesians 4, 26 and Psalm 4. I'm going to put this up in the screen here. I want you to see this. Uh, both of these verses start off with this phrase here, don't sin by letting anger control you. And then in Ephesians, Paul says, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. But in Psalms, which is what Paul quotes from, it follows up with think about it overnight and remain silent. So the thing to write down here on your notes, you guys, I don't is in parentheses. Don't sleep on it and sometimes sleep on it. Sometimes. What he's telling you here is get yourself calmed down. Sometimes the better you get yourself calmed down is when anger's over here at one, two, and three, before it gets to the it's over and over and over again, at one, two, and three, hey, can we talk about that? That was frustrating. I didn't like the way you said that. And I asked you to do that, and you didn't, and whatever. So just quiet conversation right there. Don't let it simmer and build up. However, if you're like this, there are times where you're going to go, it might be good right now to not talk about this and resolve this. Because all we're going to do is make the problem worse right now. It might be good to go, let things settle back down for a bit. And the guys, this is a art, not a science. There's not a formula for this. Every time, that whole deal of never go to bed angry, sometimes it's good to go to bed angry. Because if you don't get angry, you're not going to sleep that night. You're going to make her mad. You're going to say something stupid or dumb that you're going to resent or regret later on. So it's an art, not a science. It's to figure out how you're wired and what's best for that situation. What he's telling us here is resolve it before it escalates. Resolve before it escalates. Move towards solving it. And sometimes moving towards solving it means I sleep on it, let it calm down for a bit. Um, sometimes we slow down and sometimes we speed up when it comes to resolving anger. Proverbs 22, 24 to 25 says this. Don't hang out with angry people. Don't keep company with hotheads. Bad temper is contagious. Don't get infected. Anger is so contagious. You get around people in a company. You get around people in a small group. You get around people. You get around people in churches. This is happening. You get one person in there that seems to have influence, and they're just angry all the time. I'm going to tell you right now. You need to learn to block angry people from your circle. I'm not saying block angry people from your life. That's impossible. But you all have a circle that are like your good friends, right? Well, I hope you have some good friends out there. People that are your, your good friends out here. People that are, that are good friends with you. Some of us have two people. Some of us have 22 people. Introverts, extroverts, all that kind of stuff. Have a lot or little. What he's telling us here is, look, you have all kinds of people in your life and your coworkers and your family out here. In that circle right here, if there's an angry, hot-handed person in there, 
If they're not willing to change, you need to block them out of your life. It might also be good to block some content from what you're watching and listening to. Uh, and I'm not going to give the names of people you should stop listening to because some of you get angry with me and get mad at me and storm out of here because you've got a problem. <laughs> Just be careful. I know for myself there's times I go, I've watched a lot of fantastic films or content, uh, listen to certain people. I go, I, for right now, I've got to put a pause on that because I'm watching now how I just, it, it's fed something in my soul where I'm just like this all the time. A final thought on righteous anger. Used righteously, anger can be amazing. Amazing fuel for being used righteously in good ways. But I want you to see what's in the middle of the word dangerous. is anger. Right in the middle of the things that are dangerous to your soul is anger. So be crazy careful with it. Um, the truth is, <laughs> if those of you that know me well, my, wife, my wife's here today, she's probably right now angry going, what are you doing if you're preaching the message on anger? Seriously, you? You? Because I am H-M-I-C here at Crosspoint Church. I'm the head moron in charge of things. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm angry right now. And look, I got, I got an issue with this. I, you guys had to hear this last 35, 40 minutes. I've been two weeks in this going, oh, how do I get up here? So I'm working on it. I'm not done with it yet. But here's the deal. I trust Jesus to use anger righteously. I don't trust myself. I have misfired way too many times, and I've hurt too many people with my anger. It's the root cause of so much destruction. Is anger always wrong? It's not always wrong. But the truth is, because it's not always wrong, some of us are using it to say, well, it's okay once in a while, so I can just be angry out there. And it's so destructive and dangerous, we ought to extract it from our lives. When it comes to righteous anger, the Bible makes it very, very clear to us. Our condition as human beings is this. It's going to tell us by both our deeds and our actions, by our, by our mindset, God's angry with us. I did a whole word search thing on this. The number of times that mentions the Bible that God is angry, lots of times God's angry with us because of our rebellion, our foolishness, our stupidity, all of that. And in Ephesians, Paul's going to tell us, he's going to say it this way, by nature, you are subject to God's wrath. Not by because you've done some wrong things. You know what he's saying here? Because of just who you are. God is righteously and justifiably angry with you. And he has the right to be. You might think you have a right to be righteously and justifiably angry. You probably do from time to time have that there. God, every single time God is angry with us, it is righteous and justifiable. Every single time. Our rebellion against him, our sin against him. Man, if... It, and yet, when it came time to fully and finally express his anger against your sin and my sin, he came down here in the person of Jesus as a construction worker. And he tried to show us the way and say, I'm here to save you. When we said, go away and leave us alone, we put him on a cross. And on that cross, in that moment of time where he screams out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He absorbs the full expression of God's wrath and judgment for your sin 
and my sin. We're going to sing a song about that today. It is well with my sin. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, was nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. So you think you have a right to be righteously and justifiably angry, and you might. The best way to do that is to act just like Jesus did and say, look, I will be gentle in this. And I'll show kindness and grace to morons and wicked and evil, despicable people. And I'm telling you guys, as you do that, what if? What if in the world we live in where there's such a culture of outrage, shoot, just the people of Cross Point Church as followers of Jesus Christ would just say, hey, when it comes to anger, I'm going to express gentleness and kindness here. You know what's going to happen there? The world's going to go, dang, something's different there. You know what happened to the anger in your soul? Slowly but surely, it'll get weeded out. Because when you can, be, ang- when you can be, be gentle and kind and gracious to people that have made you angry, following the example that Jesus gave us, it'll just rip all the anger out of your soul. Our band's going to come up right now. We're going to sing these great songs, talk about the God's amazing grace and love for us. I encourage you to sing along with us as we do that. We're going to uh, give you a chance if you're here today. Y- you might be here today and you might have some justifiable reasons to be angry or you might have some anger issues in your soul. And you're, it, it's got such a stranglehold on you, you don't know what to do with it. One of the best ways to deal with it is to, there's an old song called What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And the line says this, Oh, what peace we often forfeit Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. So you might have stuff today where you're just, go talk to people about that. Unload some of that there and ask for God's help and his grace in that. We're going to invite you to tables of communion in four corners of the room. It's, it's bread and juice symbolizing the, the, the body and the blood of Jesus when he died on the cross 2,000 years ago for us. And again, guys, again, this, connect the dots here today. When God expressed his anger fully, he absorbed it himself. He did not vent it on us. And that can be the example that we can now follow in his steps. And so Jesus today, what if? God, I'm praying for myself. as much as I'm praying for people here. Would you get this unknotted, pulled out by the roots, out of my life, out of our lives, and then replace it with love and grace and joy and peace. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. For more resources, check out go to crosspoint.com.